This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is DSC's Untamed Heritage. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Ruger. Rugged, reliable firearms. Hardity. Accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon. Brilliant aiming solutions. Burnham Brothers Calls. Calling us calls made. Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas Raised Hunting Products. The Scent Gods. www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com. The Hunter Conservation Website. Got an opportunity to sit around a little bit with Mr. Jeff Rice and Luke Clayton. Uh, we'll get into some of the things that we're doing together here in a little while, but I will say that Luke and I have been doing radio together. Thankfully, Luke invited me to be a part of his show for a segment on Luke Clayton Outdoors. Yep, about 11 years ago, Larry. About 11 years ago, and it's available a lot of different radio stations, but also they can go to catfishradio.org, right? Exactly, Larry, and they can listen to that week's show, you know, if they miss it on a station up in... Gosh, some of these stations have... I know the owners, Dumas, all the way down to, to down near Louisiana, you know, but yeah, but you can always listen to it catfishradio.org yep. so Luke and I have been friends for a long time and I was actually occasionally being a guest on Luke's show and finally he said hey he said, what do you like about this and I'm down, absolutely I'd love to <laughs> and then, of course we got Mr. Jeff Rice and we're on the Buck and Bass Ranch that Jeff has uh, kind of the northeast part of the state Jeff is involved in all kinds of different things in the outdoors but uh, I've gotten to know Jeff in the last few years and it's been an absolutely great pleasure and truly an honor to be able to come here to the Buck and Bass Ranch and, and get away from things for a little bit. It's an honor to have you. I, honestly, we have so much fun out here and you know, it's it's my own little piece of heaven back in here and the nice thing about this piece of property is where it's situated really. Um, we've got to the, to the south of us is the lake, Lake Fork. To the, the east of us is all Sabine River ground. 
To the north of us, there's a gentleman that owns the land, but he, he doesn't even come out very often. And then to the west is, a, is a, some friends of mine that I've been buying the land out from. So really, we're at the end of the road, and there's a lot of bottomlands down in here. We've got a creek that runs through the ranch, and and lots of it's just teeming with game. It's just a fun place to come. It, it is. My background is a wildlife biologist, and I've had a chance to spend a little time in the north or the eastern part of the state years ago. And unfortunately, I've forgotten most of the plants that I needed to remember. But it's just the unbelievable variety here in terms of, of browse species, woody species, little forbs, little vines. There's all kinds of cool vines in this part of the country with beautiful leaves, beautiful flowers. It's just an absolutely gorgeous place and fair amount of deer. Mm -hmm. Uh, obviously fishing very close that I've had a chance to experience and, and uh, out of this world good. A uh, few bass, uh, but uh, also a lot of hogs. And that was kind of the, the, the trip that I came in for is, is uh, I normally shoot oh, long guns, shark guns, and, and uh, horny ammo and all that kind of good stuff. And I love the sound of gunfire and, and I love the smell of burnt gunpowder. But uh, Luke introduced me to uh, the Seneca Dragonclaw. So I've been coming out here, which is an air gun of all things. It shoots an arrow or a bolt as I've been informed that that's the proper term to use. It's tipped with a broadhead. And, and uh, so we've been out here doing that. Tell me a little bit more about the hogs on this place. I mean, they've, they've been elusive the last couple of times I've been here, but when I was here before during the winter time, my gracious, there's a lot of hogs and big hogs here. Well, you know, I think the thing, Larry, is the fact that We've got these bottomlands down in there, and they're, they're just acres and acres and acres of bottomlands that really you can't get to them. And it's just a, a breeding ground or a great place for hogs to, to be you know, unmolested. They get down in there, and you'll never find them in there. It's so thick. And it's just, like I said, it's a breeding ground. And the, I've got 13 feeders that go on the ranch <laughs> uh, every day, morning and evening. And, of course, they're pretty patterned to going to those feeders. Uh, but as you know... They're smart animals, and their noses work very well. So, yes, you can get busted very easy here with with, with hogs. But there there are a lot of hogs, and the interesting thing is, um, and I know the last time you came up, uh, I shot a hog with the dragon claw. Yes, yes. And the amazing thing is, is the, the fact that you've got some hogs in here that are uh, they're feral, I guess, but they're they, they look more like the the Eurasian type type hog, and what's really interesting, and how they got here, I don't know. Um, you being the biologist, you might be able to expand on that, but but they're here. Well, I, I think Luke can too, because I mean Luke's actually written the book when it comes to hog hunting, as far as I'm, I'm concerned. But uh, I know a lot of these hogs have a tendency to, or speaking of domestic hogs, after a short period of time, it didn't take very many generations for them to kind of revert to what they came from, and basically they started from the Eurasian hog, and and, and I've hunted hogs in. Austria and oh gosh, a couple of other places uh, where they're originally from, and there's some of these hogs here that I I would dare say that even somebody from Europe that came over here and, and shot one and he he didn't know where he was, he would say, hey, this is one of those big Eurasian hogs that we have. So I think it kind of revert back, and a lot of these I'm sure came from early settlers, and then of course the Spaniards when they came across, that's how they were introduced really into North America. Is uh, the Spaniards carried them across from Spain, and ca they'd have like two or three hundred hogs you know, with their expeditions when they came because they survived very well. They could eat any and everything. They survived the uh, the, the the boat ride over here. 
so they were easy and they reproduced and and very quickly and I mean everything and so they they have these swine herds that that they push these animals around with them and then when they got hungry if they wouldn't food there they'd have food and as you well know I mean hogs have a tendency to escape and that's how some of them sure. came to be here I think originally and then they were probably augmented by some of the early settlers yeah you know you think about the the Civil War period think about the the farmers ranchers in Texas just just talking about Texas well all of you know pork back then I mean there was no uh, cooking oil you use lard those that's right. what they had oh, yeah. to cook with so hogs were a real commodity back in those days so so they you know they had the, the Indian raid the Comanches raid a farm out there well okay the hogs that some of them escaped the uh, the Civil War people had to abandon the farms I've read this and I know it's a fact. And then they, you know, they can't take 50 hogs with them to wherever. <laughs> no. So, so that's part of it. And then some ranches uh, stock European boar, the you know European boar, uh, which is uh, to me, it's just an awesome-looking critter. Thick wool on him, you know, a long snout. But so, and then they have escaped. Obviously, you know, you can't back the fencing back in back in the 30s probably wasn't anything like what we have today. So those, those some of those hogs escaped. Uh, and then what do they do? A hog is a hog is a hog. <laughs> they get out there and they will find the ferals, if you will. But I'm always amazed, guys, at, you know, at someone that says, this, I kill a Eurasian, or this is a Russian boar. Yeah, he's Russian. Look at the nose on. You know, the traits, though, do come through in different. Now, out, say, oh, out in, in the panhandle. I, I remember hunting out there a lot of hogs, and, and they do. Those things look, not. there's not much feral in them. They look like. They look very, very close. Don't they're, they? they're parts of the Texas Hill Country. I shot one years ago uh, just outside of, of Kerrville that I swear I looked exactly like the hogs that I've seen in, in Austria or yeah. Sweden or, or Norway or any of those countries over there mm -hmm. in terms of with the tail, the split hair guards, the under hair cur uh, fur, fur yeah. you know, the really long snout and relatively small nose and of course kind of short ears and tall at the shoulders and swimming mm -hmm. at the back, you know, mm -hmm. and yep. that kind of grizzled brown gray color. and. They could be like you picked them up over in Europe and dropped them over here today, kind of thing. You bet. Uh, an interesting thing that I learned uh, when I was fishing up in Saskatchewan, our mutual friend Brad Finson mm -hmm. uh, from, from Alberta. There's a lot of European boar wild in Alberta now. This the game department has declared you know war on them. <laughs> Uh, but they would they wouldn't take the hogs that we hunt here in Texas, a, a Duke's mixture of hogs. Up, up in Alberta, but they would take the they would import the Russian boar in a high fence situation. Right. For some reason, and I don't understand why, but the bottom fell out in low in that. Yes. That, so they was overstocked with them, and they cut them loose. They live like I picture those those years. They you know they have the wool, the long guard hairs. Uh, they are like hogs I picture in Siberia. Right. You know the the. The European boar can live up in the snow. And I've talked to a guy 
while I was fishing up there that had a farm. Right. And he says, there's uh, the, the evergreen blowdowns and all. Right. He says, they get up in there and it'll be snow covered and those hogs get up in there. Almost like an igloo type and of thing. And that's how they survive. Protection. So, yep. interesting. I, I, I've often wondered, you know, would one of our old Texas hogs make it up there? I kind of doubt it. Probably not. But, you know, if, if they were kind of slowly brought yeah. up, slowly brought up and maybe it, each year moved up a little bit farther north where... They because de they will develop that under hairs under under fur exactly. Larry, I've got a, I've got a loaded question for you and you too, Jeff. Uh oh, <laughs> and, and uh, when I wrote that book, Kill the Grill, about four years ago, it, it was a, it was one of the topics. I spent some time. Uh, how many times have I been asked? You know, an, an old an old piney woods rooter is not the most to most people. He's not the most appealing looking animal he's not your white-tailed deer or your <laughs> you know your beaver <laughs> he's a pretty wild looking critter are those be. old hogs good to eat oh boy now there's your there that is a loaded question it, it is to me absolutely absolutely I, I i honestly luke i honestly don't think there's a better meat out there well in my opinion and, and you know the way i feel about it. i love it but there's always that question is every wild hog good to eat? No, that answer is no. I would agree. And and uh, I I really I've had it explained. Some vets told me that a, a veterinarian friend that smell of the boar. Well, that does get in the meat. Yeah, there's, it it's does. in the bloodstream, and there is no question. Right. I have found I have killed boars that might weigh 125 pounds or 100 pounds, healthy. Mm-hmm breeding actively breeding boars i think if you shoot a boar right on a sow and estrus sometimes there's no constants that i could quote but sometimes that hog is i think that's pumped up in his system and it's in his meat larry is that i, I think it's a that, that's an excellent explanation to all that because i grew up we were in the hog business among you other were. things and so we'd have anywhere from 30 to 50 or more brood sows on hand at the time and and when that boar that we were breeding, because we would breed to a certain, at a certain time, so the pigs would all kind of be born at a certain time because we were also, we were feeding them out. So you, you didn't want to just have a, a, a sow have pigs and then three weeks later another sow have pigs. So, but during that time frame, when we were, that boar was breeding a bunch of those sows, there was an odor around that entire area around there. And it was very similar to what you smell when you shoot it like a rutting if you want to call it that a rutting boar yes so i think you're right i think that's exactly right so uh -huh. yeah i've shot a few out here that are like that and i i've eaten them and you, you there is there's a there's a slight distinct oh yeah there flavor is. in there and and it, you know i haven't had a lot of them but there you will find them and it's to, yep. to get really technical because i have cooked and eat a lot of wild hogs oh, yeah. right to get, you start putting that in a skillet in the house if that if they're now we're talking the the negative side of this 90 percent of them are excellent yes. one other thing that i learned a long time ago i when i first started well i was raised between the sulfur and the red river so the sulfur river has always had a contingency of wild hogs still does yeah and and the red does too but you know the the fact that uh the the smell on those things that from those hogs that are actively breeding I mean, I had some old guys that, hog hunting wasn't big back when I was a kid, really wasn't. But they'd run them with dogs, bring them in, and, you know, just rank as can be. But they had me believing 
that every boar, now you don't eat these boars, son, that every boar was like that. I learned later that a 150-pound boar, now it may not be as tender as a young gill, a young sow, yeah. but uh, the meat is, is good, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, so every boar, I mean, I now I, I don't care if it's a boar or a sow, I, you know, I'll, sh I'll go for it. I got a question for you. So do you think what the, the we're talking hogs, what a hog eats, their diet is going to, have an effect on because like white tail deer to, absolutely it's got I, I know i you know i grew up in wisconsin and i remember my father shot a deer one time and i swore that thing was eating pine yeah because you, you had can. that distinct <laughs> flavor of pine in exactly. the meat so i would assume i'm sure it's exactly the same way with with the wild pork particularly you know one of the we i was in part of the low sky the doors hunting headquarters for a while we had our own processing group out yeah. back and taxidermy shop and all that kind of thing and people would bring in a hog and it'd be a big one and, and what the, that guy that was working for us would do is they'd take a knife and they'd cut just a little plug out of the hind quarter and he had a skillet that he kept outside and he'd, he'd tell the people he said okay we're gonna fry this up right here if it smells that you don't like it you know we're gonna turn this into dog food because they we utilized everything that was that came in in one form or fashion. He said, but if, you, if you're not concerned about whatever smell there is when we fry this, we'll get it processed for you. And that's kind of the way that he handled that side of, uh, and we had very, we had some big hogs. I mean, true close to 300 pound hogs. Right. Not, not these 300 pound hogs that weigh 185 pounds. Right. True big hogs come in and actually, quite frankly, they were extremely good to eat. I mean, they, there was no any kind of odor of any kind in any of that meat. So it's a, they're, they're all different kinds. The I, I do, now I have a question for you too. I love this question and answer they read. Do you ever worry about any of the diseases that hogs carry? How do you, how do you feel dress and how do you, what temperature do you take your meat to when you prepare it to make certain that there isn't a, a concern there? May, may be different than a lot of people, but that's just, comes from a, doing a bunch of them. Right. Maybe different than the norm. But back to Saskatchewan, I was sitting up there eating a shore lunch one time, and there's a gentleman sitting next to me. I'll, I'll put this in the book. Right. And, and his wife, and we were all fishing at shore lunch on an island. And he was, uh, for the government, she told me, said, this is, my husband is a veterinarian. He worked for the government swine. He was Specialized he was in their swine. swine so boy, I was I was in the process of <laughs> I was in the process of writing that book, and I'm certainly not. You know, I know nothing about biology and things like that. So I started talking to him, and I said, "Trigonosis, that's bad. I mean, that's a really something we have to." He told me, and don't, uh, this was this was years back, five right. or six years ago. He said the the number of trigonosis cases in the in the United States. You could count on a couple of hands that year. Where that is prevalent is third world countries where hogs get in the uh, area human waste and that everything. That type yeah. of deal. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so pseudo rabies and, and brucellosis, Larry, you know, you know way more about that than I do. But what I do when I'm hunting hogs and, and I have a choice, if if there's a good fat one out there, you know, that I want to eat, because I want that's why I'm off my goal right. to put him on a smoker somewhere. Uh, I've never had a problem. I mean, yeah. but do I test the meat? Do I know that he didn't have? I don't know that, but, but I, I do know this. Cook it to 160 
cook that meat. And when I get through cooking pork, it is well done. None yeah. of this 140 stuff for me. But yeah. you know, it's so it's, I've never had a problem, but I was really relieved to hear that because I really thought trigonosis, but I also learned mountain lion and bear carry most mountain lion. I've, he told me, and he, he, I'm sure that you probably know Larry, but a mountain lion usually is, is going to carry that. Yeah. But cook it to 160. Again, same thing. And, and, and same thing with bear. A lot of bear, bear carry have it as well, too. It. But uh, you're right. You're exactly right. And again, that to me, that's the key to it on, on some of these things, like hogs, and is just getting it up to a certain temperature, because after that certain temperature, you don't need to be concerned about it anymore right. for any exactly. kind of way. And if you shoot one, and all the time, you know, you're not going to be able to pick out that fat one that you think is going to be. When you're in the brush or in the woods, you might shoot one that's less than what you'd want to, quality than what you'd want to cook. But I've left hogs in the woods, too. A poor one, if he, if he doesn't look healthy, you know, no. that's just one more sure. out of the it, you know, Well, it also, coons need to eat, possums need to eat. You know, right. all, it, it go, none of it actually goes to no. waste in those situations. No. It just gets returned to nature in a little bit Recycled. different way compared, recycling compared to what we do. Exactly. Yeah, well, it really all starts, too, with when you shoot that animal, you know, like, like today, you know, it's it could be close to 100 degrees. You shoot an animal, you know, you need to get on that animal quick. You need to get that thing skinned quick. You need to get it on ice or in a cooler quick you know that's another part of the, the equation it really you really is. got to take care of that meat you know well these days there's so many different great coolers out there to yeah. where and they're big enough you can buy one and throw some ice in it throw that meat in on top of it you feel like i mean that's what i'm sure you do that and when i'm gonna when i'm hunting on around my place and if i've got an opportunity to shoot a, a hog that's what i do i, I shoot him get the hide off of him get that cooler quarter it or whatever I need to do and I mean I'm dumping it into the ice spot and then piling ice on it and I may leave it in there for a day or two as well too as long as the ice is there. Exactly in that folks we're, we're filming this down as Larry said at the Buck and Bass Ranch. Right. In my truck right over there is uh, 80 pounds of ice in a big cooler. Right. Just in case. Exactly. Just in case. Uh, you know we don't need it we don't need it but one other very very good point that I learned from a gentleman that I've really never met personally. I've talked to Glenn Guest quite a bit. Glenn has a method that I put his video, I thought so much of it, and it was such an important video uh, of Glenn in a real world situation, shot a hog just before dark, it was warm, how he handled that meat. That video is there on catfishradio.org and it's to me uh, I told Glenn, I've talked to him, I don't, like I say, I don't know him personally, but he knows a lot about hogs. And I told him, I said, buddy, that is golden that you filmed. He, and I started doing it like that. Uh, pull that back leg up, hit that ball joint, hide on. Hide on, Slap yeah. that, that quarter on the ground, grab the front, then go to the front, and then, you know, the front shoulder is not connected by right. bone. Easy to take, lay it up on the ground, while you've got him that way, go ahead and take that back strap out, lay that on those two quarters, do the same, and then you 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 can get him back to somewhere where there's light yep. and there's ice and all that, and then skin those quarters out, take the hide off, and that to me, I well, mean taking, that that really changed the way I operate. Yeah, taking those quarters and being able to put them up on a table. Yeah. Because if you ever cut up a, a hog when it's laying on the ground, 
Yes. Yes. Oh, it'll, it'll kill your back. <laughs> it would have killed me when I was 25, and I'm sure not 25 anymore. I don't want to do that that way anymore. I'm, I'm like you guys. But oh, yeah. You mentioned Glenn Guest. I've known Glenn and his wife, Michelle, for many, many years. Yeah. And uh, he does know hogs. I think he's got... I, He's got what they call hog zombies. Yes. And zombies. I can't remember whether it's on YouTube. YouTube. Or, I, know. I know he's got some YouTube. If you really want to see some really cool hog hunts. Here That's right. From Texas primarily and in the States. But uh, Glenn does an absolutely fantastic job. And his wife, I, I, I try to tell Glenn all the time, she's a whole lot better hunter than what he is. <laughs> I don't think I got him convinced yet. Michelle, I think, kind of likes hearing that because as far as I'm concerned, she is. But he also started calling hogs. Yes. And yeah. had with great success. I mean, they've called in, and the footage I have is phenomenal. Those hogs coming in, charging in. So if you get a chance, go to if you want to learn a little bit more about that and some of the products that he uses when it comes to calling hogs, is, is go just Google hog zombies or yeah. Glenn get guess. It's uh, G U E S S, just like yes. uh, being a guess. What are you What are you going to do tomorrow? Kind of thing. But that he that guy knows he, he knows, knows hogs. Sure he, does. he knows what he's done, and yes. I've been very very impressed. He does, with him and over he, the years. he has hogs yeah. on his place. He, he, and yeah, he, the, he, the sounds, and he got he got me to. Uh, he's the reason I started calling hogs. I haven't done a lot of it. I've probably done it four times. You've done it. You with and I me, did a Simon. show with. We did a uh, show uh, and uh, had uh, those yeah. suckers. I've done it. I've I've done it five or six times, maybe in all, and about three fourths of the times we had hogs in the shoot. Sure, and uh, it. The sounds and but Glenn goes into in-depth vocalization why this hog is sounding this way. Oh yeah. If you ever this is interesting. If you ever see a boar frothing at the mouth, and you'll remember oh, that yeah. from raising hogs, yeah, but not I've, just wild. I've seen them in wild. They're too. in the midst of what we call a rut. They're right. around an estrus sow, and I've I've seen that, and I thought, what in the you know rabies? What's going on here? You know, but. Uh, that's a good something to yeah, watch. As a matter of fact, I think I sent you a trail cam picture of, of a really big boar and yeah. it's just foaming at the mouth. Yeah. Uh, there was a extra sow not far away. Yeah, you know? no doubt. <laughs> Interesting. What, Jeff, you, you bow hunt a lot, but uh, tell me a little bit about bow hunting for hogs. What What's your choice in terms of, do you like uh, the, the spike type broadheads? Do you like cut on contact broadheads? I know you shot a few of them. I'm, I'm saying a few. It, it's a bunch, <laughs> folks. And you hunt them a lot. And you specifically hunt with a bow more than anything else. Yeah, I, I really like, I, I, you know, I, I know a lot of guys like to use the mechanicals. And right. They, they have big cuts and stuff. But I tend to like to use the, the fixed broadhead. I can resharpen them. I, I seem to get a lot more use out of them, like over and over again. So I'll, I'll typically use... I use like a G3, G3, I think, is the, the broad... Or G5, excuse me. G5 is the broadhead. I tend to use because I can use them over and over again. And I shoot a lot of hogs with them, so, and they're expensive. Broadheads aren't cheap. No, so it's nice no, to be able to reuse no. them again. No, but, they're not. Um, but I'm set up out here. I've got stands that are set up appropriately for bow hunting. So you, if you've got north wind or south wind, you can still hunt the same area and be able to effectively hunt them and not get busted. But uh, yeah, I, I really, really love to bow hunt. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, Larry, I've gotten this this bug in me that that I, I'm starting to get to the primitive stuff and I've actually speared a hog already um, I have yet to spear one on the ground I, I did it from a tree yes sir but um, I, I just love and a matter of fact I've shot one not too long ago with my longbow we'll get back to the traditional bows and that kind of thing and 
I just find that fun and fascinating to do that. You know? I'll be darned. We're sitting here. I noticed Luke just kind of looked around me. We're, there have been hogs that come right up to your headquarters here quite oh, often. So I saw a squirrel flash by back there. Said, yeah, yeah, there. we got a feeder right here by camp. That was and, in sight. And a yeah. picnic table. Yeah, right, That's right in front of it. the perfect rest for a rifle. Yeah, right? my dad's favorite blind is like, oh, I think I'll just go sit at the picnic. And Lord knows he shot a, a share of hogs sitting right at that picnic I'll, I'll table. I'll be darned. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Larry, this, this right here, uh, the three of us out here, just enjoying the outdoors now you know we're, we're going to do some hog hunting while we're here folks and might even fish in the creek a little bit i know there's lots of delicious delicious catfish yeah <laughs> but uh this this is what it's all about and do you have to uh, yeah it's a little bit off topic but do you no, always not. have to kill a hog do you always have to shoot a big buck to enjoy your time outdoors. I, 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 when, when I, when I was a young man, you know, it was all about putting that meat on the meat pole for me. It was. I it have, was and, for me too. I mean, yep. it was, but it's a shame back then that we didn't, that I didn't personally know how to shift down the gear and say, hey, you better enjoy yeah. all, yeah. <laughs> you know? I, I think that's just part of the, the, the maturing process. I think I agree. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I don't. It, it, it wouldn't make a lot of difference whether it, it's hunting, whether it's fishing, or or a lot of other subjects you golf, can bring up. Huh? Or, yeah, or even. <laughs> well, I, I can honestly say, talk. We bring up golf. I've been on a golf course twice in my life. Once was to follow a set of coon hounds with my dad. We treat a treat a big old coon. I think at hole number nine, the closest creed to it. And then I hunted a white-tailed deer on an Indian reservation in Saskatchewan years ago. When there was snow that was three feet deep everywhere except for on the golf course and so the deer were coming into the golf course they kept it blown and, and free so people that were there at the local little lodges even during the winter time can go so that's my extent with golf now i've hit them with a baseball bat the golf balls and i've shot a lot of them with a lot of golf balls we picked <laughs> up shot those with rifles you know to see how far you you know i got a totally different we got into a deal that we called uh, rifle golf one time. We had a, we laid out a course on one of the places, and we used 22s. And you you set up the ball, and, and you teed off with it, hitting it with a 22. And then you would shoot the ball with a 22 to try to get it to see you could either get it in the hole or get it closest to the hole. So one of these days we may have to have us a little little uh, 10 22. Uh, Golf game. Set us somewhere. a course up here. Yeah, you bet. That would be fun, wouldn't it? It would be. Yeah, exactly. That's, we'll file that away for future. Yeah, for absolutely. Future use. Talking about, look, you've hunted hogs a long time, and you've shot them essentially with everything from small board to big board to air board to muzzleloader to all kinds of broadheads. What, what's your favorite out of the, of the things that you've done, the thing that you keep gravitating coming back to when it comes right down to it? Yeah, oh, that boy, that is a tough question. Because here's what I think. Now, as an old outdoor rider, it, it behooves me to, to, to shoot air guns, to shoot my gearhead bows. I, I, you know, I'm like you guys. I shot flintlocks, and and when I first discovered, hey, this is a flintlock. You know, what's a frizzin? How do you do this? It was all new, and I enjoyed it. I'll get to your answer in a minute. Maybe, maybe I can get to the answer. I'm not sure that I can. Oh, I can. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure that I can. So, 
so I enjoy all of it. Now, I do love to get up in a tree stand, and I love to have a deer or something come up, and I love to, well, you've been with me on some bow hunts for deer that I, right. yes, sir. down out in West Texas. So I love that, I do. But I also love uh, shooting one, shooting a hog with an air gun. So I, I think it's the last good challenge I had in, in the hunting world was learning about air guns. That was the last thing, and I don't know it all. I'm no expert, but I do know how to shoot them, and the the premise of, of hunting with an air gun. So I don't. I honestly don't. Whatever I'm doing that day, I guess would be the, the best. That, that, that's a good answer, you know. I guess really so. I, I'm often asked what's your favorite hunt, and my answer is always the same. The next one I'm going on, they go, "What is it?" And I go, "It doesn't make any difference." Well, you know? It really doesn't. It's my favorite one. The next one we're going to go on. Exactly. <laughs> I want to come back to something that, that you mentioned just a while ago, uh, Jeff. You mentioned show. You and Luke have been doing a quote-unquote show for a while. Mm -hmm. And tell me a little bit about that because I've had the honor of, of now being able to work with you guys and on a small part of that. But please tell everybody about that. Sure. Well, you know, it really, it's funny. It started just a little over a year ago. Uh, Luke and I uh, signed up for the, uh, the Yantis Catfish Classic. And we were going to catfish. We were going to get this little, this little tournament. And we were thinking, well, geez, we'll just go fish the creek here. I mean, you know... It, you don't have to be in a boat. Right. And so we kind of geared up for that, and then we got to talking. It's like, you know, maybe we should film this and, and start some kind of a, maybe a YouTube channel or something, or just, just let's let's do that. Let's just put this together and see how it all works. And so I got in the little boat, paddled across the creek, put the camera across the creek, and, of course, we're on the dock that, that we were on earlier today. Right. And we were sitting down there, and we were catching catfish like crazy, and we were having a great time. <laughs> And we filmed the whole thing, and I, you, you know I like to edit stuff. Absolutely. I love video did stuff. A great so job. I got Good home job. with that and started playing with it, and we I put a show together, and I said, Luke, watch this show. Tell me what you think. And he's like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> we need to do this every week. And I'm like, I'm in. Are you in? He's like, I'm in. So really, that's how it started. We've been we haven't missed a week. It's been 63 weeks now that that's we're, right, 63. No, and, and the, the it's like like we always say, it's all fun. But it is, you know, putting it together. Jeff loves the, the, that part, and he's really good at it. Absolutely you know, is. Putting it together. If, you, if, our, if our friends go to, well, you could go to YouTube and just seek out a sportsman's life mm -hmm. and watch some of the things. But we vowed to keep it real Yes. in the beginning. You know, whatever we were doing, there again, every every week you're not going to have something that's all inspiring happen, you know. But 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 it, to portray what it's like for for sportsmen to really get out and enjoy, or sports ladies who people that enjoy the outdoors to get out and have fun. That was our goal, and by golly, I think we've oh, we and, we and now we've got our buddy Mr. Larry with us to impart more information <laughs> and knowledge one of the things i appreciate it, it it is real and that to me is so important these days and these world this world that we live in that to me is not quite real for the most part a lot of time but it's also very timely you're not shooting something that now is going to be edited and put on and then and, and, and a year from now it shows you guys do something in next week or maybe at the worst, two weeks. At the worst, yeah. you know, it's gonna you're gonna come out with what you're doing. So to me, it, it's very timely as to what's going on, 
uh, in that area that you guys are in. And to me, that's very important. And for y'all to ask me to be able to be involved in uh, basically a, a five-minute segment of kind of question and answers based upon questions that Luke has gotten, Jeff's gotten, I've gotten over the years dealing with uh, all kinds of different hunting equipment. I probably won't address archery all that much. If we get an archery question, I'll probably come to you. Luke is teaching me a little bit more every time we get together about some of the air guns. I'm not ever going to get away from center fires in, in terms of rifles and handguns and hornady ammo, but uh, this adds a little bit of a challenge as far as I'm concerned. But so if you got a question about anything, if you want to get it to me through the, the podcast, I'd be more than happy. We'll put it on Sportsman's Life a little bit later, but uh, we'll get into some of that. But it is, it's a weekly opportunity for people to see what, particularly what, what Jeff and, and Luke are up to. And then if you got a question that I can in, give them some information on and I promise you I'll give you the, the, the best answer that I can uh, and if I don't know we're gonna find somebody that, that does know but uh, tell them how we can how they can get to see a sportsman's life because this is I, I'm loving this I'll tell you what to be to spend time with you guys and then to, to do it the way that you do I am really truly enthralled with everything that's going on and so very honored to be part of this tell them how they can find a sportsman's life yeah, simply just go to YouTube, and in the search engine in YouTube, just type in A Sportsman's Life, and it's going to pop up our shows. You're going to have 63 shows there that you can choose from, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's just that simple. Um, you can also go to catfishradio.org, and there's a link there that you can go right into A Sportsman's Life. You can go to buckandbassranch.com, my website, and, and find a link there as well. So, But you know what? It really is. It's It's... Luke and I have had so much fun with this, and I know you're going to have fun too. I'm already having fun. <laughs> but I mean, just the, the cooking segments and the, just the fun things we do—it's it's it's simple, it's real, but it's real fun. It's it real is. fun. It is that. And, and that all said, you, you mentioned the food thing. I, I I love to eat. I like to cook, but I love to eat. <laughs> and uh, as you can tell when you see me, but. Uh, Luke is an absolutely fantastic cook when it comes to anything having to do with wild game. I know you're the same way too, and I just—I've learned a lot from Luke. Well, I Luke, mean, I really I've have. learned a lot from Luke too. <laughs> let me tell you, Luke and I—the the, the longer we're around each other, the more we find that we lived almost in a parallel world growing up and having to make do with what you had and being in the chicken business, the hog business, cattle business, and. You know, those kind of things that caused you to learn how to cook when you were a child and, and yep. learn from other people and, and uh, yep. continue to learn as we move forward. Yeah, I had, a, I had an old uncle that uh, was a really good cook. And back in, this was back in the 60s, he could, he could, so I, I think he really, he kind of sparked me on the camp cooking and got me going, you know, but. It's uh, cooking is pretty basic stuff. It's not hard, but it's it's yeah, fun. You start doing Dutch kettles and different yeah. things. You know, a lot of people just get their pots and pans out and they make their their food. But there's a lot of different ways you can make it, and a lot of fun ways. I yeah. mean, some of the the things that we've done, you know, the you know, the desserts we've made, the yeah. the, the Dutch kettle. Um, Blackberry uh, cobbler. Blackberry cobbler <laughs> that we just did here just a few weeks back. We oh, did, and I then mean, you know we fun. last year, Larry, we had a. Deal in up in Hunt County, uh, in Greenville, near downtown. There's a, right. a, fr a friend has four acres there, and you'd think you were out, but it's only three or four blocks from downtown Greenville. Had a winter, we call they, call, they called it a winter rendezvous, and I had a cooking uh, some hayite blocks set up with expanded metal on it, 
and Dutch kettles and stuff, and I cooked a bunch of wild pork. I had, I think I had 25 pounds <laughs> cooked, you know, in, in, in the big Dutch kettles right. just to stay warm. And I'm, you know, a, 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 a berry cobbler in a Dutch kettle is as easy as it gets. Oh, yeah. Not hard. But those people were just, you know, like, like I'd invented something, you know. How did you do this, Dad? You know, and I said, well, you put your bear, you know, it was very simple to do it. It but was that, like vultures on a roadkill. I mean, was, they did. I mean, seriously, they came in. Nothing <laughs> left there. We're hoping to, hoping to do that again. Uh, of course, with the COVID, I don't know, you know, we don't know if they'll allow that. Right. Was, sure. But we were planning on November the 14th having another one right there at that place. And, you know, just it's really just a... Very fun. Oh, it was Had three bands out there playing sure. with us. A bunch us. of vendors out there. Vendors yeah. out there. Yeah. It's a great so time. hopefully we get to do that again. That's if we could get if if it worked out time wise, it'd be a busy time for for Larry. I know, but get you up there. I promise you, you'd have a absolute. Oh, there's, ball. there's no doubt. The only thing I'd be doing is trying to fight people away from that blackberry cobbler, <laughs> blueberry cobbler, whatever, whatever the cobbler is. Yep. Get the heck away from mine, by God. It was. Oh, yeah. It was, that was a lot of fun. Maybe we can do that again this year. We'll, we'll, so. we'll do that. If not, we'll gather up here somewhere. Yeah, I, right. I want to come back and do a podcast about some of the cooking. We, we mentioned wild pork, and I know that the Alders love venison as well, too. So maybe we can do one eventually on pork cooking on, on – uh, you know, maybe some venison and then some of the true Dutch oven type cooking. Yeah, Cause yeah. to me, that's not only attractive to look at that, those Dutch cast iron Dutch ovens, they add a flavor to things yep, that yes, I'm, far as I'm concerned, that is just second to none. They hold it, the heat so well. You I know, guess that's what it is. I've, I've had the Everything chance Everything cooks evenly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. I've, I've had the chance goals. to eat some cooking from several different people that really have been good and that, that nothing better than what you are, Luke, and oh, what we're I, done. I tell you, what, one of the best dishes I think I've ever had out of a Dutch kettle was when Luke and I went and we did a quail hunt and we did quail. Remember that? Yes. In the, uh, the the Dutch kettle? I've got time to tell them how to do that real oh, quick. Yes. Go for it. Please. It throw was it, amazing. Throw it in. All right, this is the best Dutch kettle recipe that there that there is. No, I, Anybody I mean, can do it. Anybody can do it. Uh, quail, not everybody has a mess of quail in the freezer. That quail, wild quail, are pretty right. scarce. But say you've been to a shooting preserve or whatever. If you don't have quail, use chicken wings or chicken breast cut into... About three pieces. Yeah, about the size of what a Maybe quail. Even a Cornish hen. Cornish or, hen yeah, is yeah, excellent. Yeah. I, we've done. That's what yeah. we did last time. We did a Cornish hen. Uh, yeah. So you, your bird. You, you don't want to do this with anything except fowl. You know, bird. Uh, and I learned this from Bob Hood, <clears throat> out of the late my old buddy, the late Bob Hood. Take your Dutch kettle number ten. It's about right. You know, it's about ten inch Dutch kettle. Works good. Just throw a stick of unsalted butter in there. Get your bird pieces together. Dredge them in that. Take three rolls of rich cracker crumbs, and I say pulverize it, you know, roll them or whatever. Right. Make cracker meal out of them. Right. It cannot get much easier than this. Take the bird and coat it with that rich cracker meal, and you've got some residue of that stick of butter still in there. Set your pieces down in there. It can be Cornish hens, by the way, which are readily available. If you don't have quail uh, and number 10 now, and let's just say we're not cooking on a camp fire let's say we don't have a campfire with embers that you can shovel over and cook with say we're using charcoal right okay 
a number 10 Dutch kettle, you'll want three more briquettes on top. So you'll want 13 charcoal briquettes on that recessed lid on the top. Well, you'll want from 10, you'll want three less underneath, seven. That's depends a lot on the weather, but that's just on a, if it's real, real cold, I'll put more. But that's a, that's a starting point. Uh, now, what, before I start cooking, I put some extra black pepper on top of all that, you know? And then I put that lid on there and then let, ladle those coals. Mm. Don't touch it for 45 minutes. And I use, I'm old, I use my vice grips and, you know, look at it, pull that lid off, you know? Get a whip or two. Yeah. Oh my God, that's yeah. really I'm good. telling you, you it'll, that's, that scent will start coming out about yes, 30 will. minutes. You'll want to jerk that lid off and start eating. Give it 45 minutes. No, that's a simple Dutch kettle, and yeah, I mean, if fantastic. You, anybody recipe. can do that, oh. can't you? Yeah. Oh my goodness. We we ate those, and the, we had one left over, and I brought it home. My wife's like, oh my. <laughs> so let's make a pact. The next time the three of us get together, yep. it's gonna take. I'm not sure one Cornish hen will do we, we, a piece. We might have to have two. Three. Three. I like, I like how you three. As many that'll fit in there. Let's do that right here. I, I well, agree. Let's do it. Yeah, you bet. I that's, agree. That'll, that'll, be done. that'll be part of our next adventure. We'll come back and we'll do a little bit more on cooking at that exactly. point. Exactly. Before we close this thing out, look, you and I do the radio show and then you've got your kill to grill. Tell them how to best find out more about the radio show and about your book. Okay, that's, that's the... The radio show is catfishradio.org. That's, you go there and listen to, Larry and I do the campfire talk. That's always the first segment. But we may have Jeff on talking about how to film something or edit or whatever, or hunt, whatever. So I try to keep it varied each week, catfishradio.org. Now, when you if you go to that website, the book, Kill the Grill, you can order it right there through the through the catfishradio.org and it, you know it there's a lot of what i call nuts and bolts stuff in the book good common sense but yeah. i mean fun to read and i mean luke is an absolutely fantastic writer that you'll love to read is whatever he's writing whether it's he's writing about yeah. fishing but in this instance about hog hunting and hog preparation does i recall there may be a recipe in oh there? there's definitely a recipe, <laughs> recipe <laughs> i think <laughs> i think the quail yeah but that's how you find it larry good. it okay. is yeah fantastic Jeff, what about Sportsman's Life? Tell people again how they can find Sportsman's Life and to, to, yeah. to where they can keep up with what you guys are doing and, and also get in touch with me there through that as, as far as a Q&A that we can add. Sure. Yeah, it, again, just go to YouTube, and in the search engine in YouTube, type in a Sportsman's Life. It'll bring you right to our page, and uh, you can get all the videos there. You can go to catfishradio.org. There's a link uh, right there as well that you can go in and it take it right to a sportsman's life on YouTube. You can go to buckandbassranch.com. There's a link there. You can click on that and it'll bring you right there as well. So plenty of ways to find us. Plenty of ways to find us. You're right. And of course, we're very much involved as well in Dallas Safari Club, the three of us. And, and if you want to learn a little bit more about DSC, matter of fact, let's get a few words from one of the guys there at the office and kind of bring you up to date as to what's happening as far as DSC is concerned. Corey, membership in DSC is so very important, and, and now there is a new level of membership. Yeah, we're really excited about that, Larry. We were really looking at 
the opportunities for people that wanted to just maybe kind of stick the toe over the line to learn about DSC and what it is. You know, many people are aware of our conservation footprint, where we're engaging, but we wanted to create the opportunity for those that really wanted to learn more about DSC. And we were very successful at that, in my, in my opinion, under the creation of this base camp membership. And it's $45 for the year. And what people will receive is the Game Trails quarterly publication. It's just this beautiful publication, as well as the monthly newsletters will be emailed to them. They'll be available online. But very importantly, maybe even equally important, is the fact that they will then receive all of our member action alerts, e-blast, all of the things that are going on, not only in their state, but across North America, but around the world. For example, some pieces of things that we've touched recently, legislation-wise, is bills in California, bills in the U.S. Senate, actions in New Zealand, um, actions in in, uh, the European Union, all kinds of things like that that members can then have a really firm understanding and feel for their engagement and level of support of conservation issues around the world by being a member of DSC. They can see what we're doing. And I anticipate when people, you know, sort of take that first look under the hood and they see what we're doing, that they're going to want to continue to be more and more a part of that organization. And so we're really excited about the launch of that uh, and the opportunity to just kind of bring more people in. Thank you very much. Thank you so very much. And remember, if you want to learn more about DSC, you can go to B-I-G-G-A-M-E.org. Luke, Jeff, uh, it's getting on to that time to where uh, I think maybe we either need to cook something or where we need to go hunting this afternoon. So we'll invite everybody to come back next week. We'll come back to Luke and Jeff on another adventure here on uh Untamed Heritage, DSC's Untamed Heritage. In the meantime, thank you so very much for joining us today, and we'll look forward to seeing you the next time we get an opportunity to do this. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights, Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms, Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable, Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions, Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Callness Calls Made, Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today, Texas Raised Hunting Products, The Scent Gods, www.trailingthehuntersmoon.com, the Hunter Conservations' website, 